going to use this story, this passage of Scripture in Hebrews 11 specifically, uh, to bring a message this morning on the faith that saves. The faith that saves. Now, before I pray, I'm going to make a few openings, uh, just comments about salvation and our faith in salvation. Faith is a decision, not an experience. You cannot work yourself up into salvation. It is a decision. I was a couple months shy of my fifth birthday when I decided to get saved. I decided that I didn't want to go to hell. I decided that I was going to put my faith in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's not an experience. That's a decision. And as a child... I was, I did not, I was under conviction. I did not want to go to hell for my sins. I knew I was a sinner. And I knew, and it had been explained to me, and the Holy Spirit of God put me under conviction, but also convinced me, based on what I had been taught from the Word of God, even as a child, that my faith in what Christ did would save me. And I didn't understand the doctrine of imputation, and all the other doctrines that go with salvation. But I made a decision that I wanted to be saved. If you're saved this morning, it's because you made a decision. Faith and obedience go together. If you're not going to obey what God says, you cannot have the faith. The next statement I want to make about salvation before I pray this, this morning is even 1% work is 0% salvation. Even as small as 1% of our works is 0% salvation. You cannot, a man cannot be saved unless he puts 100% of his faith in God. That's why you can't, you can't say, well, I'm going to take what the Bible says and I'm going to take what, what, what religion has taught me and I'm going to depend on both of them. Uh, that is not salvation. It is 100% faith. Even 1% dependence on, on our works is 0% salvation. Every, every one who gets saved gets saved the same way, but not at, under the same circumstances or at the same time in life. But everybody gets saved the same way. Uh, I would love, we don't have time this morning, it would be enjoyable just to be just to hear, I love to hear the circumstances around people getting saved. I love to hear salvation testimonies. And one thing would take place, even with the number of people we have here this morning, we would be encouraged and amazed and just, uh, just blessed by the different circumstances of which individuals were saved. But everyone gets saved the same way. This morning, as, as we, we are meeting, depending on what side of the world they're on, some ministering on foreign soil have already preached their message. They've already had church. Some will have it after us, and, and they're, they are, they're getting saved. With the, the Word of God is being preached in a different language, in a different culture. There's not an American salvation and a foreign salvation. It's all the same way. It's by faith. Salvation is about satisfying God, not satisfying man. It's satisfying God. We are sinners. And our sin brings the chastisement 
of a holy God. Uh, all have come short. There is a payment for our sin. I don't want to, and I'm glad that I was saved as a child so that I have not lived my life under that conviction of the fact that there's a payday coming for my sins. Now, there, there is the principles of cause and effect, and, and you sow what you reap, and sins of the flesh, and all of that. But as far as paying for eternity, I, I'm not worried about that. I've, I can't tell you the last time I ever worried about that. And it's because my salvation satisfied the chastisement of a holy God. And our decision to put our faith in Christ, salvation is all about satisfying God and not satisfying us. Uh, there's too many Christians that don't enjoy their salvation because of one of the things that I mentioned before I've even prayed this morning. Well, I just don't feel like I'm saved. What does that have to do with you being saved? It's a decision that is made. Well, I just, I just don't think, no, if you put your faith, if you made that decision to put your faith in what God said, what God said you had to do to be saved, it, what does it have to do with you feeling saved? It's about satisfying God, not your conscience. It's about satisfying God, not what religion says. It's about satisfying God, not the latest online poll. God said that because of sin, there's eternal chastisement and punishment in hell, but you can satisfy me by the applied blood. And so salvation is about satisfying God, not about satisfying me. Um, well, I just don't feel saved. Well, there's a lot of things we don't always feel but it's still reality. So those are some, I had to do this. There's much I want to say this morning. So I have an introduction. I have my outline, and that is my pre-introduction introduction. But I want to preach on this subject this morning, faith that saves. And, and I've got a lot to get to. I want you to pay attention on purpose this morning. The Bible reminds us there's a lot of people. He, he, the devil is good about intersecting that 1% of works, it's all on faith. And this world is good at throwing stones at what the Bible says an individual has to do in order to be saved. And this morning, I want to enjoy my salvation to a greater degree. I want to be reminded. I'm excited to preach this this morning because I had a good time studying this because it reminds me what my salvation means from God's perspective. It reminds me of what my salvation is. And this morning, I want us to be encouraged about being saved. Are you saved this morning? We ought to be excited about being saved. We ought to be thankful that we're saved. Uh, we ought to rejoice in our salvation, the faith that saves. Father, I pray this morning that uh, you would use this message to strengthen your people. Oftentimes, a salvation message is preached without a doubt so that if there's one unsaved, they may have an opportunity to trust Christ as their Savior. And certainly this morning, if there's one in the service this morning or watching by way of live stream who is not saved, may the Holy Spirit of God even now begin to convict them. May they realize this morning that it's about a decision to put their faith in what Christ did. May they trust Christ today as their Savior. Father, this message is 
also, if not primarily for this morning, for the Christian to be strengthened in their faith. Because the Satan himself, our enemy, wants to prevent man from being saved. And once they're saved, he wants to prevent them from living victoriously in their salvation. And Father, I pray this morning our faith will be strengthened. It will be deepened in reality of what you have accepted on our behalf, what Christ did for us. And Father, may your will be done this morning, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Genesis chapter number 4, we uh, read the story, the account of what is mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 4 when it concerns Abel and his sacrifice. Certainly, as we begin the, the scripture in the book of Genesis, we find the creation. We find the first man, the first woman, the help me for the man. We find uh, their sin, their fall, and it's from the sin of Adam that our sin nature is passed down. We are sinners. We find in Genesis chapter number 4, we find those first two sons of Adam. We find Cain and we find Abel. And I've already gone through the story again. Most of us would know that story of how Cain brought a, a, a sacrifice that God rejected. Abel brought a sacrifice that God accepted. And with all the details in there, and it's certainly a, a good reminder for us to read that account and be familiar with, with that account and to understand that there is... There, is, there are some that have good intentions, and I cannot doubt that Cain had good intentions, but it doesn't matter what our intentions are. It matters that we are obedient enough to put our faith in what God says we need to put our faith in. And you cannot separate obedience from the word. You cannot separate obedience to God's word from faith. It takes faith to obey. Now, we know that, sac- that, that, that sacrifice... The Old Testament sacrifice, the one we read in Genesis chapter number 4, is a picture of the coming Christ. It was not a work that was done that God accepted. It was obedience to have faith in what was to come. The picture of the shed blood of that spotless lamb, it was, it, that, 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 that sacrifice that day was a picture of the eternal one, the spotless lamb, the perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ, shedding his blood for mankind. Why was that blood sacrifice made? As we read in Genesis chapter number 4, because God had determined that is what would satisfy him for man's sin. Why did Jesus come to this earth and, and, and endure all that he endured? It's very simple. He told us he came to seek and to save that which was lost. His blood had to be shed so that it would satisfy God and what God said was needed to satisfy the sin payment of man. All through time, man has tried to work his way to God. It's never succeeded, never will succeed. Uh, from the beginning of the pages of Scripture, from, from we see in Genesis chapter number 4, until Christ returns again and that trumpet sounds, man has always and will always be fooled into thinking that there's something they can do to get themselves to God. There is something that we cannot do, but it's not in our own might. It's not in our own power. It's faith in what Christ did. This story we see is very, very vital and very, very important when it comes to a saving faith. God had decreed that there was something he would accept. And Abel had faith enough to obey God as he looked forward to what Christ would do for all of us. 
He had the faith. Do you think Abel understood every reason why God said, bring that lamb and sacrifice? I don't know that he did, but he by faith did. Cain did not act by faith. He was a tiller of the ground. He brought his best works to give to God because in his mind he had been fooled to believe that he could produce something that God would accept for his sin. He was sorely mistaken. He made a, a fatal mistake. He made a, a mistake that certainly has been a picture since the beginning of man, of what man has had, had, where he has failed in producing his own works to be saved. Now, I want to get in this morning to the outline because I want to make sure I cover everything. But with this story as the backdrop in our text this morning, some of the statements I made about salvation to remind you and I about our salvation this morning, we get into the outline this morning, and I'll say number one, it is faith that saves. This is very simple to you and I this morning because it is faith that is, that where we have our salvation. But I want to remind us all that it is faith that saves. When Abel offered his sacrifice, he was basing his acceptability of his offering on what the sacrifice represented. He was depending on the fact that this represents the fact that the Messiah is going to come. The fact that one day the spotless lamb is going to be, his blood is going to be shed. And so this is a picture in his faith was in, his acceptability was in that picture of what was going to take place. The shedding of the blood, the spotless lamb. It was faith, his faith. And I don't have time to go into it this morning, but people have always been saved by faith. It doesn't matter when they were born. It doesn't matter what era. They were always saved by faith. Belief in what God said he would accept. It is faith that saves. Abel was basing his acceptability of his offering on what his sacrifice represented. You had the lamb. You had the blood that was shed. I remind you, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? Blood was shed for their sin. This was, we assume, and we can logic to, to assume that, of course, they had been taught this. They knew what was to be accepted. And so God asked the question, Cain, why are you upset? If you did what you were supposed to do, would your sacrifice not have been accepted? If, if you had brought by faith what I said to bring, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You, your faith would have been accepted. But instead, you did what you thought would please me. It's not about what I think would please me. It's about what God says is what would actually please Him. So it is faith that saves. I don't think I need to say this to us this morning, but I'm going to because it's good to be reminded of. But you cannot work your way to heaven. You can't do enough good deeds to get to heaven. You can't light enough candles to get to heaven. You can't give enough alms to get, 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 uh, get to heaven. You can't make enough holy pilgrimages to get to heaven. You cannot do enough to earn your way to heaven. It is faith that saves. It is faith. Faith in what? Faith in my ability? Nope. Faith in my faith in, in what I produce from the ground? Cain learned? Nope. Uh, faith in, 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 my, in my intentions? Nope. Faith in what God says would save you. Faith in what God said, he would accept. 
it, it, we, we need to get away from this. Why? Faith always makes me, you know, I, I want to feel good. I want to feel, no, that has nothing to do with faith. I, I'm going to believe what God said he would accept. I'm going to have faith in what he said is necessary for my salvation. For you and I, because we can look back to what Christ has done, it is faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in Genesis chapter number 4, in the life of Abel, he is looking ahead to what Jesus would do. It was what God said he would accept. If you're saved this morning, if we were to go back to uh, all the individuals who were in the room and, and we were to give testimony of the circumstances you found yourself in, you'd find some young, you'd find some old, you'd find some, all kinds of different circumstances. And, and, you, and you hear that story, we've all been saved by faith because we believed what God has said. That's why in a church service like this, the Holy Spirit, as some, as I look around the building this morning, I remember the church service that you got saved in. I remember when you came in lost and, and the Holy Spirit of God put you under conviction. And when you had the opportunity to get saved, you stepped out in the aisle and you let somebody open the word of God and read some scripture vis- verses to you and, and walk you through the plan of salvation, as we refer to it, what you had to do in order, you had to believe in order for God to accept you in your, in your sins. And when you put your, you decided, I'm going to believe what God said would satisfy him. There were some times when it went against what you had been taught by religion. You had to decide, am I going to believe what God says by faith or what somebody else says? This is why, and some of you, you were led to Christ when somebody interrupted your Saturday or interrupted your weeknight and knocked on your door and then without it barely introducing themselves said, hey, are you going to go to hell when you die? And there was something that kept you there with your attention. And they spent a little bit of time at your door reading through those verses of Scripture, and you decided, by faith, I'm going to believe what that Bible says for my salvation. It is by faith. The thief on the cross, one rejected, one accepted. And what did Jesus say today? Thou wilt be with me in paradise. He didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to, to lay up any fruit. He, by faith, believed what that man on the cross next to him, who was different, who he believed was the Holy One. He knew he deserved to be nailed to that tree, but he knew that man didn't deserve to be there. And I'm going to believe that you are the Son of God. I'm going to believe that you are the Holy One. I'm going to put my faith in that. And he was saved. I'm looking forward to get to heaven to see my Savior. I'm looking forward to being in heaven to see my loved ones who are going on before me. I'm looking forward to reading the Bible, these Bible characters and, and bumping into the Apostle Paul. Think about that. And, and bumping into all of these that we read about. But guess who we're going to see there? The thief on the cross. We won't call him, hey, thief on the cross. He's got a name that God's given him. He's got, he's, we're going to know him as a brother because he got saved by faith, that simple, childlike faith. It is faith that saves. Number two, we notice from our text, we see in chapter in verse number four, by faith, Abel offered unto God. We see it there at 11, just to go back to that first point. In chapter 11, verse four, it was by faith, Abel offered a more, God, a more, uh, a more excellent sacrifice. When I was, got saved as a child, by faith, By faith, I trusted. By faith, 
I believed. By faith, I obeyed what God said I had to do to be saved. To, 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 to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for by grace. I just had to believe that Christ was my substitute and he was enough. It was by faith. But number two, we find by faith, Abel offered under God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. We find uh, the more excellent sacrifice. Now, I draw your attention back to, to, to not just our verse in verse number uh, four of Hebrews chapter 11, but Genesis chapter number four. There's two sacrifices. One is referred to as a more excellent sacrifice. That's the sacrifice that God accepted. We find the first sacrifice that was rejected, we find that sacrifice was a sacrifice of works. This is the best I could do. And God said, that's not good enough. This is, this is the best that I have to show in my life. And God said, I, that's not good enough. I'm not accepting that. Uh, that was a sacrifice that was rejected. And I've said enough about that this morning to know, for you and I to be reminded of there's nothing we can do to be saved. There's nothing we can do to earn our own salvation. It is faith through our obedience to what God says we must do. But that works is not, the, the salva- is not a, a sacrifice that saved them. It is not something... If you, if you have to work your way to heaven, you're never going to know if you've worked enough to get there. And our God does not want us to live without that peace of knowing that we're saved. My God does not want us to... The God of the Bible does not want us to go through life not believing that our eternity is secure. As a matter of fact, that would be cruel of us to not be granted peace with our salvation. Faith in the blood sacrifice, that was the sacrifice that was accepted by God. I've already explained, and I'll remind us all, is a picture of the coming Savior. There's Old Testament sacrifices are a picture of what Christ would do. It's a picture of the shed blood. And we find that more excellent sacrifice. You cannot, there's a host of people in this world, and it ought to be heartbreaking to you and I, that they have put their trust, they've put their faith, and sometimes people say, well, I just don't have faith to believe. No, you have faith, you're believing in something. Some choose to put their faith in what a church says they have to do to be saved. Some put their faith in what they think they have to do in order to be saved. But those of us that have been, who have truly been saved have put our faith in what God said would satisfy him. What God said would appease his holy wrath on sin. It's faith in Christ. In this excellent, the more excellent sacrifice, it was a sacrifice that was a picture. And it was a blood sacrifice. You read, you read the Word of God, and we'll look at some scripture references in just a moment. Uh, salvation has always come, there's always been shed blood. Always been shed blood. That is the sacrifice that is accepted by God. Because sin is, is, is so offensive to a holy God that, that, that something, someone has got to die. Because we, we, we lose our access to him. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, because our sin separates us by, from a holy God. So how did th- those before Christ came, they took that type, that picture of that spotless lamb, the Son of God who would come, and their blood was shed. And that would 
satisfy God. So you have the more excellent sacrifice was the blood sacrifice. You have the one that was rejected, and that was a sacrifice of works. Moving right along, number three this morning. We find in our text, verse number four, we find the witness of the faith. This is such a, this verse is, is so rich. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So when he made that more excellent sacrifice, he operated by faith, meaning he obeyed what God said needed to be done. His faith was there, and so his faith bore out because of the obedience in bringing that lamb, that blood sacrifice. The Scripture tells us in verse number 4, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. In doing that, he got a witness that said, Abel is righteous. You say, now who was that witness? Was it, was it Cain? Certainly not Cain. Because Cain was rejected by God. Cain certainly wasn't the witness because we read the text this morning that Cain, we know this, especially if you grew up in Sunday school, one of the first uh, Bible stories you, you, you learn is how Cain killed Abel. So Cain was not the witness. Adam and Eve were not the witness. So who was the witness that said Abel is righteous? Think about this. Abel brings that sacrifice. Abel brings that lamb and shed that lamb's blood. Cain brought the, 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 what he produced from the ground, his best works, his best fruit. God said, I'll not accept that. God said, he's unrighteous. God said, that fruit does not cover your sins. And I still see you in your sins. I still see you for what you are. But there was a witness there that day that when Abel brought his sacrifice, God accepted. Abel because there was a witness there saying, Abel's righteous. Abel has been covered. Abel has been forgiven. What was the, the, the witness that day? It was the shed blood of the lamb. When God saw the blood that was shed in that sacrifice, that blood said, Abel had faith to believe. That blood said, Abel is covered. That blood said, Abel is righteous because he had faith in what God said he would do. Now, this ought to be a very simple application for you or I today. It, it, when, when I stand before a holy and a righteous God, there is a witness that says to God, there's a witness that speaks on my behalf and says, Greg Neal is righteous. God does not see me in my sins. There's a witness that says he is righteous. It is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the blood of the spotless lamb that speaks on my behalf. If you're saved this morning, let me give you some peace and let me give you some confidence and let me give you something that ought to strengthen you in your daily walk. Yes, I know we fail and yes, I know we're flesh and blood, but there is something when that old accuser goes before God and says, look at their sins and when we stand before a holy God, there is one that steps, there is something that steps forward and says, nope, they're 
they're righteous. Nope, they're sinless. Nope, they, they, they have been covered. And God says, I accept that. I don't see them in their sins because the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb of God has covered our sins. And this was the picture that Abel, when he gave that sacrifice, there was a witness there that, that day. Then that's what, made, that, that's what was the difference between Cain and Abel. There was no witness on Cain's behalf. Sadly, there's a lot of people that are going to stand before God one day. They're going to say, I was a member of such and such for my whole life. I attended Saturday night mass. I, I lit these candles. I said these prayers. I confessed these sins to this man. Or I believed in this and this and this and this and this and this. But there'll be no witness there to speak on their behalf. My friend, you and I that have been saved, we've been redeemed. With the blood bought. There's a witness that as we meet this morning at the Emmanuel Baptist Church is speaking on behalf of you and I and a holy and a righteous God who can accept no sin, who will not acknowledge any sin in His presence. He will reject it and punish it, and His chastisement will fall on it. When He looks at you and I that have been saved, He doesn't look at all the things that we have done in our past. He doesn't look at all of those things. He looks at the sacrifice, and there is a witness that says, just as it did for Abel, says, they've been saved. They've been redeemed. I see no fault there. I see no sin there. And God, a holy God, who can only accept holiness in His presence, says, you're accepted. Because there's the witness of faith, which is the blood sacrifice. It is not our works that prove our righteousness. It is the blood of Christ that is a witness as to whether or not we have been made righteous. Let me, let me very quickly help some of us this morning. Uh, what you do after salvation has nothing to do with your salvation. Now, don't read into that and say you should do nothing for God. Because I'm saved, I ought to have a surrendered heart and a surrendered life that I want to produce works for God. But some Christians, sometimes I think, that they, and their intentions are in the right place, but we ought to want, and, we, and the Bible tells us we ought to work for the time is coming where no man can work. Christ's return is imminent. Our life is but a vapor, so we should do all that we can do for God, and we should be busy in the work of God. We should not waste the life that God has given us. But it doesn't matter how many works you produce, that is not what's going to testify of your righteousness. And you ought to serve God. You ought to be faithful to give to the work of God. You ought to be a witness to God. You ought to have a surrendered heart and a, a clean life. And you ought to offer your life to God and say, whatever you want from me, God, I just want to serve you. But let me tell you, you can pile all of that up and it will not give one testimony and it will not testify one time before a holy and a righteous God. The only testimony that's needed... The only witness that'll testify that matters to a holy and a righteous God is the shed blood of the spotless lamb. See, Cain sought to please or again prove from God by works. 
Abel obediently brought a sacrifice that pointed to the blood of Christ. It was the blood that made the difference. It was the blood sacrifice. There are many who are sincere. There are many who, who say make greater sacrifices than Christians. You say, Pastor, are you saying that if I put my faith in what God says, are you saying that that blood is applied to my account and there's nothing that can be done about that? Are you saying uh, that, it, it, that, that I, I don't, it doesn't matter what I do the rest of my life? I, I'm saying that's true about salvation. I'm not saying that you shouldn't serve God and there's no bearing in that. You ought to want to serve Him just because you've been saved. But the blood is what matters. Pastor, you, you mean to tell me that we don't have to do, do A, B, and C to stay safe? No, you don't have to. It's the blood of Christ that matters. Think about it. There are religions who make more sacrifices. You think you make sacrifices? They make more sacrifices than you and I make, and they're lost and on their way to hell. The first one that comes to mind are, 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 are the, the Muslims. They will sacrifice their life and take the life of others all in the name of their religion. But your sacrifice is being come to church two times on Sunday, aren't you? It doesn't make you less saved. If you're saved, you're saved. The point I'm making, and it ought to be bring some conviction on one end that we ought to be more dedicated when we have the truth. We ought to be more willing. And to our young adults, the Holy Spirit just passed by and propped this in my head. If the Mormons, young people, will give two years of sacrifice on a Mormon mission and they're not even saved, and you can't give a semester of Bible college, the pastor is just trying to control my life. Oh, it's Sunday morning. Back to grace and mercy. And... Don't miss this point. There ought to be a dedication because we have the truth. But there are, are religions, and, and I've been to these, these, these places that they call holy places, and these cathedrals, and you'll find them walking on their knees all the way down and lighting candles in a hope of salvation. They're more dedicated to a false religion than you and I are dedicated to the truth. But it doesn't matter how sincere they are. It doesn't matter what they go through. If there's not the testimony of their righteous, if it's not the testimony of their redeemed, if it's not the testimony by the shed and the applied blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. There is no way back to God Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man give, cometh unto the Father but by me. All, their dedica all the dedication to religion, it does not please God. They are performing works that are based upon earning God's favor rather than relying on the blood of Christ. You know why I'm saved today? It's not because I'm a good man. It's because of the blood of Christ. You know why I'm one of the redeemed? It's not because I feel like I felt when I trusted Christ as my Savior. As a child, the best I could, I put my faith in what God said was necessary for salvation. I've been I've saved at that day. I've been saved ever since because of the blood of Christ. 
I don't remember everything I felt that day. I'm certain I felt relieved because I was under conviction, and when that conviction was removed. But it has zero to do with how I felt then or how I felt now or how I felt all the days in between. It matters that the eternal blood of Christ since that day as a child has been testifying to a holy God. He's righteous. He's saved. He's forgiven. He's redeemed, and friend, no matter how long you've been saved, whether it's been for 50 years or five days from that moment, when you put your simple faith in what God said was necessary, not what man said was necessary, not what a church said was necessary, but by what God said was necessary, at that moment, that blood was applied, and that blood has been testifying on your behalf as a witness, saying, that man is saved, or that lady is saved, or that person is redeemed. And there is no sin to talk about because it has been covered by the perfect, eternal blood of God. And God sits on His throne and when our accuser, the devil, comes in and says, Oh, look, at," he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I'm listening to the witness give testimony of the fact that they're saved. Hey, friend, it's time for Christians to live a victorious life again because we have one testifying on our behalf. Hey, knock the devil off your shoulder. He tries to make you feel guilty. and He tries to put doubt in your mind. I've got the blood of Christ as my testifier saying, I have been saved. I've been redeemed. I'm on my way to heaven. I've been born again. It's not by 1% of work I've done. It's not because of one thing I've done, but simply because what the spotless lamb did for you and I. Do you mean people who aren't going to church can be saved? Talk to the blood about that. I just don't believe. Talk to the blood about that. Number four, because I do have to wrap up sometime today. We've seen the witness of the faith. Now let's look at the Testimony of God. Look at our text verse, verse 4 again, chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness, that's the blood, that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by being dead, yet speaketh. We don't have time, but if we were to go back and go back later, go back to Genesis chapter number 4, we find God giving testimony to Cain of why he accepted Abel. Cain, why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? And I'm paraphrasing, but if you had not obeyed, would not your gift been accepted? Would not your sacrifice been accepted? So then it makes sense, and again, I'm paraphrasing, it makes sense that If your gift has not been accepted, sin still lies at the door. That sin still has to be dealt with. And you have a God testifying, the testimony of God on behalf of Abel. I have accepted his sacrifice. And let me use John chapter 14, verse 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And to give greater context and clarification of what that means, that doesn't just mean believing he existed. 
doesn't just mean that you believe that He is the Son of God. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, His resurrection. The shed blood of Christ. That Jesus acting as our high priest. And all you got to do is turn back just a couple of chapters in the book of Hebrews. And we're reminded that Jesus is our high priest, sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat that speaks on our behalf today. And God is giving testimony if I've accepted because, and I've rejected because. And this ties back to what I said at the very beginning of the message, if you can think back that far, where it's not about satisfying ourselves; It's about satisfying God. We have a religious world we live in. But they can be con- convinced, they can be, they can be dedicated to that religion, and they're not getting any closer to God accepting them. Because what it matters today is not whether your pastor accepts you, it doesn't matter. If family accepts you, ultimately, when you stand before a holy God, is He accepting you? And you know what? That will help all of us this morning. Let our mind go back to when we put our faith in God, our faith in Scripture, our faith in what God said was necessary. But at the same time, as a Christian... This helps me. It may not help you, but it helps me. If God would go to Cain and tell Cain, I didn't accept you because I accepted Abel. In other words, Abel's one of mine. My heavenly father has the same affection in his heart for me. He's one of mine. I'm okay with him now. Not because he never loved me, he always loved me. But because he doesn't see my sin. Because I've got the blood of Christ, his holy, righteous, perfect son, speaking on my behalf, giving testimony in that great courtroom of life. And here's all of the, the, the charges against him. And here's all of the offense that he's done. And here's all of the witnesses over here. But yet there's one witness that supersedes all the other witnesses. It is the blood of Christ. And I believe that God testifies as they belong to me. The scripture tells us that God knows who are his and whose are not. You don't have to, you don't worry about convincing your fellow man whether or not you're saved. You better, you better know for sure that God knows and God's accepted you. And if he has, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else is convinced of. It doesn't matter what anybody else says you'd have to do. It doesn't matter what some church says. It just matters that God, his testimony is, hey, now I may have rejected this over here, but I accepted him. Now, why is he accepted? Because of John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In conclusion this morning, let me show you one more verse of Scripture. Hebrews chapter number 12. And verse 24. There's so much I would love to read from this passage. But let's stick with verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant... And to the blood of the sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now, Abel's sacrifice speaks pretty well, doesn't it? 
So very simply put, we're being reminded in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is now the reality of what Abel's sacrifice was the type of. That picture that Abel, the shedding of that blood, was a picture of Christ. Now, you and I, we didn't have to go get a lamb out of the, wherever you get a lamb from, Publix, Walmart, I don't know. Make sure it fit the qualifications. Build an altar. Slice that lamb's throat. Shed that blood. And offer that to God for acceptance. No, the spotless lamb of God. Oh, I remember when I was under conviction, it wasn't a story over how I had to go get a lamb out of the field, though it was the eternal Son of God who came as that spotless lamb and was willing to shed His blood for the sins of all mankind. And we're reminded in verse 24, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, into the blood of the sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Oh, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, it is His blood that has been applied on our behalf. It is His blood that speaks on our behalf. And God himself testifies I've accepted him I've accepted him now this morning Christian who are you going to listen to the devil or God there's a couple of applications you can make of that the devil will say you can't be saved the devil will say you don't that, that, that's too simple but God says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved put your faith in, in what Jesus did the death the burial the resurrection but then this ought to give a lot of strength and security to God's people today. Because God gives testimony that He's accepted. God, that the blood of Christ testifies. One of the greatest tools that Satan uses is guilt. I'm looking around, and so I know this is to be true because I know you all fairly well. There's nobody in here who hasn't, saved, who hasn't sinned since they've been saved. There's nobody here who hasn't stumbled. But according to the doctrine of some, then either they wouldn't, or they, you wouldn't, you're not saved, or you're before, or you're not saved now. What does that say about my God? There's Christians that don't live in victory because your own failures are weighing you down in guilt. And the devil sits on your shoulder. And friend, we ought to live a clean life. We ought to live a holy life. That is our goal. That's our aspiration because I want to please the God who accepted me in all my sin. Because I am saved, I can't have victory over sin. Because I am saved, I want to serve my God. Because I am saved, I realize I have but one life in living my life to count for Him. I realize that one day I'm going to enter into His presence. And, and if, I'm, if, I, if, I'm, if, if we're all this morning, if we're all saved this morning, the, the same blood has been applied to all of our accounts, which means we're going to spend eternity together. But there is going to be a judgment seat of Christ. But what I've done because I'm saved and because of, uh, of the opportunities I have to serve Him, I, I want to be able to have something to show. I'm getting in because of the, the shed blood of Christ. I'm getting in because of the testimony of what He did on Calvary. But I certainly would like to have something to lay at His feet. To show some gratitude with the one life He's given me. 
I didn't have to do this because, to get saved, but because I'm saved, I want to live the life that I have, the days I have remaining, so that when I enter into His presence, I have something to show. Have you been accepted by God? If you have, live like it. Act like it. This morning, let's allow our faith to be, our lives to be strengthened because of the faith that saves. The faith that saves. If you put your faith in what God said, you're saved. Because you, you have the, the, that, that witness that's testifying. A God that's given an account, I've accepted them. Father, I pray this morning. Over